All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Mark. In this recording, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 14, 1 through 11. And let's just remember that it's Passover week in Jerusalem. Jesus has had various interactions with the crowds of people teaching them in the temple. He's had interactions with uh, the Jerusalem leadership and them testing him and challenging him with questions, right? All that stuff's been going on. In our last recording, we looked at how he left Jerusalem left the temple while sitting on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. He explained to his disciples when and how and what's going to lead up to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple that we now know from history comes about 40 years after this week. Uh, And so all of that's been going on. And then Mark begins chapter 14 simply with this reminder. He says, now, the Passover and festival of unleavened bread were two days away. And those two references, Passover and unleavened bread, were like really in some regards two festivals, two feasts that all kind of happened at once. So Passover uh, was celebrated on the 15th day of the Jewish month Nisan, which is roughly Uh, equivalent to kind of late March and uh, April. And then the Festival of Unleavened Bread followed that as a week-long feast, celebrating their deliverance from Egypt. And so Passover plus the Festival of Unleavened Bread commemorated how God delivered them from Egypt. It was the great redemption celebration in the Old Testament. Like God redeemed Israel out of Egypt, set them free, liberated them, made them his own people. And so, and the reason that you have then the Feast of Unleavened Bread is because they left Egypt in haste. And so there was no time for their bread to rise or make leavened bread. And so they left quickly. And so all of this is a great Jewish freedom celebration. And Mark tells us here that at this point in his narrative, that this feast, this festival is two days away. Now that phrase is a little more ambiguous in Greek and it could mean on the second day or it could be after two days. And that means that this event we're going to read about in this particular narrative here either happened on Tuesday or Wednesday since uh, they're going to celebrate Passover on the evening of Thursday. So, When Passover and unleavened bread were two days away, the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him covertly and kill him. Notice that they have a very clear intent. They want to get rid of him, but they want to do it covertly. Why? Well, look at verse two. It says, for they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise there will be a riot of the people. When Passover came, since it was such an important Jewish holiday, thousands of pilgrims from all around the empire flocked to Jerusalem for the feast. And so the city was jam-packed with extra people. The outlying towns were jam-packed with extra people. People were camping on on the hillsides outside of the city. And religious fervor was in the air. Hopes of liberation loomed large, right? It was a freedom festival after all, and they're still under foreign occupation with the Romans. And so lots of emotions, lots of religious fervor, lots of hopes for liberation and a riot with all the extra people and, and that whole mood, a riot was always a real possibility. Even the Romans knew that. And that's why they sent extra troops to town for Passover. And so they're thinking, we want to get rid of Jesus. Let's figure out a way to do it, but we got to do it on the down low, on the sly. We don't really want to try to do it during the feast if we can avoid it because we don't want a riot of the people. 
So that's the setup. Mark sets up this account with that. He'll wrap back to that plot to do away with Jesus at the end. And in the middle, he's going to tell a story of really a beautiful story of something that happens where Jesus has been staying in Bethany. And so, verse 3, while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, during this Passover week, Jesus has been staying in Bethany. He's been staying there in the evenings, going into Jerusalem, teaching in the temple during the day, and then going back out to Bethany at night. Maybe he's staying at the home of Simon the leper. Maybe he's staying at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Maybe it's the same home. We're not sure. But Jesus is in Bethany. And he's at a dinner party at this person named Simon the leper. Uh, We would assume that Simon was a former leper, maybe even someone who was healed by Jesus. And so there he is at a dinner party at the home of Simon the leper. And here's what happens. He was reclining at the table, which is how they ate, right? Low tables, elbow on the table, feet out back behind them. So he's reclining at table. And a woman came with an alabaster vial of very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke the vial and poured the perfume over his head. Now, this this anointing is similar to an anointing that happens earlier in Jesus' ministry. You can read about that in Luke 7.36. There, uh, the woman was a notorious sinner woman in town. Uh, And that account seems to happen in Galilee. And the woman pours the perfume over his feet. And so you have that one in Luke 7.36. This is similar. This same event happens here just days before Jesus' death. And the same event is told in Matthew 26. And it seems likely the event in John 12 is also the same event. And she comes and she brings an alabaster vial. From the examples of alabaster vials from the time period that have been discovered, they were anywhere from 5 to 9 inches tall. So they're a pretty decent little vial of expensive nard perfume. It says very expensive. How expensive? Well, if you look down to verse 5, it actually says that they claim it's worth 300 denarii. A denarii would be a day's wage. And so 300 denarii would be just a huge amount of money. And so this is very expensive perfume. Notice she breaks the vial and pours the perfume over his head. This is a costly act of devotion, but not everyone is in favor of it. So look at verse four. But there were some who were there at that dinner party indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume could have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. And we mentioned 300 denarii is a huge amount. It's more than a year's wages, right? We're talking maybe even close to like a year and a quarter's wages. 300 days wages is what we're talking about. That's a huge amount. And so what they see is... Waste. They don't see extravagant acts of love. They see waste. Notice their complaint specifically is, look, we could have taken this perfume and if we were going to use it, we could have given the money to the poor, sold it, right? Sold this perfume, taken the money and cared for the poor. And they were scolding her. And the scolding there is in what's called the imperfect tense in Greek, which means it's continuous action. They were berating her. It wasn't just they said one negative thing. They were chiding her and scolding her and saying multiple negative things about what she had just done. And Jesus 
comes to her defense. Look at verse 6. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a good deed to me or for me. And so he comes to her defense, says she, don't bother her. She's actually done a good deed to me. What's the good deed? How good is that deed? We'll look at verse 7. For you'll always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good to them. But you don't always have me. He's not minimizing helping the poor. He's just saying you can help them anytime you want. But there's actually something bigger at play in this moment. And Jesus knows what's coming, right? And so there's something bigger at play. You're not always going to have me here where you can do a good deed to me like she has done. How good is that good deed? Well, look at verse 8. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Unlike Egyptians who embalmed their bodies, right? Think mummies. Jews anointed uh, the bodies of their dead. And so whether this woman was fully aware of what she was doing or not, Jesus sees her act as like preparing his body for burial by anointing it with this expensive perfume. And then Jesus goes on to even say, you know, how good is this and how important is this and how much am I willing to defend her? Well, look what he says. Verse nine, truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the entire world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. And so Jesus actually envisions the worldwide proclamation of the gospel, the good news that he is king, right? He envisions that. That's what he's going to commission his apostles to. He knows where the story is heading. And so he says, and this woman's story is going to be part of that worldwide proclamation of the gospel. And guess what? It has. Here we are. Uh, 2,000 years later and thousands of miles away from where it happened, and we are hearing of this woman's generous act of devotion to Jesus. Well, then at that point, after telling that story, Mark wraps back around to the plot to do away with Jesus. So, plot to do away with Jesus, this woman's anointing of his body in preparation for his burial, and then back to plot to do away with Jesus. Uh, And here's what happens. Verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went off to the chief priests in order to betray them. Now, Mark doesn't tell us why. He doesn't give us the whole context. He just tells us that Judas is the one who betrayed him. And he went and arranged that with the chief priests. And notice Mark specifies he's one of the 12. He's one of Jesus' inner circle. He's one of Jesus' closest companions. And he is willing to betray him, to turncoat on him, to stab him in the back in this way. And so he goes off to the chief priests, the Jewish leaders, who are looking for some covert way to get away, to do away with Jesus. And they, verse 11, were delighted when they heard this, and they promised to give him money. And we know from the other gospel accounts how much it is. How much money did they give him? 30 pieces of silver, Uh, 30 pieces of silver that in a moment of regret, he tried to return to them. They wouldn't take it. He threw it to them and he went out and he hung himself. Um, But they were delighted. They promised to give him money and he began seeking how to betray him at an opportune time. And so he begins looking for when's the right moment, when's the right time to hand Jesus over to the chief priest. Now, just think about this story and the way it's set up, right? You have the snapshot of this woman's 
beautiful act of extravagant devotion. And that act is framed by uh, accounts of the leader seeking to kill Jesus and one of Jesus' closest companions betraying Jesus. Um, The love and devotion, in other words, of this woman stands in stark contrast to the scheming efforts of people to destroy him. Even those in his inner circle, Judas, right? Like, here's this woman, and she pours out herself gives this extravagant gift in devotion to Jesus, and that stands in stark contrast to the chief priest and to Judas, who are looking to kill him. Hey, it's John. just want to say thank you to each of you who make the listener's commentary possible. The listener's commentary is a listener-supported Bible teaching effort that is made possible because tons of people, just like you, generously give financially as well as pray for this ministry. So if you're one of those who supports this ministry, thank you so much. The impact you are having all around the world is untold. I get emails uh, every week from people who tell me that this is making a huge difference in their desire to grow in their faith, their ability to study and understand the Bible. So thank you for the difference you're making in the lives of people all around the world. If you've been impacted by this and God is stirring up your heart, you can also support this ministry by simply going to listenerscommentary.com, clicking the give button, and you can set up a monthly recurring donation right there. Or if you're not able to do that and you want to give a one-time gift, you can do that there as well. So thanks a ton for your support. Thanks for your uh, offerings. Thanks for your prayers. May God bless you for it. And may God glorify his name and the name of Jesus through the listener's commentary.